Welcome friends and listeners. Today I've got some different conversational partners on the podcast. Uh, My name is Abby Thatcher. I'm the BYU Humanities Center undergraduate intern and a producer of the podcast, Faith and Imagination. We also have Bobby May, who's the assistant director of the BYU Humanities Center and another producer for our podcast. And Matthew Wickman, the founding director of the BYU Humanities Center and our regular podcast host. Today, we mark the end of season two. We'd love to reflect and recap a bit of what stood out to us and what helped our hearts and minds sing this season. We did 27 episodes beginning in September and we will take a break for the summer in order to get a little ahead and also to take a breath. To breathe. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Between now and then when we'll begin our season three in early September with our next academic school year. At this point, we're 50 episodes in and we're excited to talk today about our season two reflections as we moved through our season's guests and through the conversations that uh, were kept alive this season. And so, Bobby, I'll go ahead and turn the time over to you to start us off. Thank you so much, Abby. What a privilege it has been this year to work on the podcast together. It is really hard to pull out just a couple favorites or a couple insights, but um, I I'm in a different position as Abby or Matt. I'm a young mother. I'm a mother of two and a third on the way. And I think that shaped a little bit of a different view of what what was meaningful in these podcasts. And so two of the guests that stood out to me in conjunction with that very present theme in my life were Yolanda Pierce and Amy Julia Becker. And I loved how their podcasts kind of fit together in my heart and in my mind. Amy talked about being a mother of someone with disability and just being a mother in general of the need to slow down and think about life in a different frame. And that has been something that I have been grappling with for the past four years of motherhood. I like fast pace. I like being productive. I like accomplishing things. And it's just not God's priority for parents. And that's hard to... Um, figure out, it's been hard to figure out in my heart and in my capacity for um, feeling fulfilled. And so it was really um, rewarding to hear another mother talk about that difficulty and how she has come to build a love of God through this slowing down process that has come upon her. And I hope to kind of use those as words of inspiration to be intentional about this slower time in my life. And Yolanda Pierce inspired me of one way I can do that. I just, I was there on the podcast with her. I got to see her face as she was speaking. And it was really meaningful to hear her experience with her grandma. So instead of being the mother teaching, she had the experience of receiving the teaching from her grandmother. And um, she talked about how her grandma is probably the most significant theologian around. And I thought that was just so wonderful because her grandmother may not know a lot about theology, but she lives theology. And her grandmother was able to make this holy space in their home by teaching her how to pray. And as Yolanda shared that story with me of her grandmother teaching her how to pray, I just had this clarity, what I believe was the spirit just coming to me and saying, this is something you could do in your home a little better. You can make a holy space in your home by teaching your girls how to pray in a more intentional way. 
So that night I got out my prayer pillow that my mom had made for me as a missionary, sat it in their room, showed them what it was. It's all battered and they still loved it because I was pink on it. And they knelt on it and we prayed together. And it was a holy space and we've been able to keep that holy environment going as I've slowed down, being willing to take time with them at night to pray with them instead of just sending them off to bed. And um, yeah, those two have been really meaningful to me together. Can I ask you a question about that, Bobby? Yeah. I, I, Amy Julia spoke about you know her daughter, um, mm-hmm. Penny, who's caused her to have to slow down because her daughter yeah. has Down syndrome and, and it's often classified as a disability. But one of her points was that Rather than seeing it as a disability, she thought about um, what Penny revealed is our common vulnerability mm-hmm. as human beings. Um, mm-hmm. Did you think about that at all in relation to either your children as you raise them or what your children reveal for your own vulnerability as a human, uh, being unable to go as quickly as you had wanted or perhaps do all the things you wanted at this stage of your life? Yeah, I definitely have thought about that. I love this concept of vulnerability as opening ourselves as a capacity for strength instead of looking at solely as a weakness or a capacity to be unable to do things. And yeah, my kids have definitely opened up many (laughs) vulnerabilities in me, especially when it comes to being a child of God and recognizing, wow, this discipleship that I claim to live of charity, compassion, love, forgiveness is not natural to me. And you, as you surround yourself, as an adult, you surround yourself with people you get along with or that think similar to you, you think, oh, I'm pretty good at charity because I like all these people. I get along with them. You know, we, we engage with each other in meaningful ways. And then a child comes into your life and I literally just came here with I left my two-year-old in a tantrum with my husband. I had tried for 20 minutes to try to get her in a calm place, which left me not in a calm place. And so, but trying, you know, this trying of, Lord, I'm trying to be your disciple. I'm trying to have this charity and love. And it is not natural to me. And I need the Savior in my life to make it happen because I'm obviously not going to make it happen myself. I love your emphasis on trying. And also, Matt, your question, which goes hand in hand with that, that idea of pacing and almost that there are different times and seasons for different uh, purposes and and uh, even varying levels of productivity or fruitfulness, which makes me think of Alice Freiling's episode mm-hmm. um, and how she works with those terms of fruitfulness and productivity and, yeah, great. and trying to understand uh, if there's a difference there, which she finds that there is, and then um, how to best embody that key difference to seek for fruitfulness rather than productivity. Um, but I know that when producing that episode and when sitting down and listening with it, um, I, like so many of those listening, have a loved one who is aging. Um, and I was particularly touched by uh, Alice's interest in the self and how the self manifests itself through talent um, and through the things that define us, uh, what we can do either with our hands or with our minds. Um, My loved one was an artist and so her hands were really how she spoke with the world. And because of arthritis, the arthritis has taken their function and then as a result her passion has been sapped away um, for the talent she used to share and then as a result the identity that she held on to and so when alice freiling asks in her episode how will aging diminish us or how will aging change us 
Um, I find myself asking as I watch this loved one grow older, like at what point did I become the strong one um, who's reaching out to support her or uh, making sure that she doesn't stumble as her body unlearns to walk. Um, And so these are the questions I'm asking of myself and trying to understand as my uh, loved one is is asking, how is aging diminishing her? How is she working through that question? Um, And yeah, the timing of this episode for me was rather providential. I had rather, I just had a rather um, heartbreaking interaction with this loved one um, who's working through what Freiling called the liminal space of, uh, of aging. And to quote her here, she, she defines liminal space as unknown space between where we are and where we will be, a moving to where we have never been before, which is every passing moment, day, minute, and year of, of aging. Um, And so when we began that interview and I discovered our topic of conversation was to be about aging faithfully or even aging gracefully with rather than without the grace of God, um, I found myself listening for far more than intellectual or spiritual interest. I was listening because I needed something transformational from the podcast episode. And um, I found myself asking similarly, how has aging changed my relationship with this person and how can I uh, seek for a transformational rather than a transactional uh, understanding of what it is to be uh, a, a person in a body that is constantly growing and changing and that growth and change um, year by year we're becoming someone different and that that transformation, uh, if we have a relationship with God that is seeking for more grace than it is um, for a give and take or a trade or a transaction, then that's when growth and uh, a transformation towards things of a better can truly happen. So I was really touched by Alice's comments. Um, and it it's continually amazing to me how those conversations come at the right moments uh, in our lives. Can I ask you a question about that, what you just said? So for those who don't know Abby, most of our listeners don't, um, she's an exceptionally accomplished student. In fact, the university ran a little profile on half a dozen students before graduation, which happened just recently. And one of those was on Abby, actually. And so very, very, a very uh, accomplished, very able, very productive student. I'm thinking about what Alice Freiling said about the difference between productivity on the one hand and fruitfulness on the other hand. By fruitfulness, she was talking about the fruits of the Spirit. I'm, I'm curious, for someone who is so intensely able uh, and, and very much a kind of an ascending stage of life like you are, does that distinction yet have any meaning, not just for those you interact with, but for your own life as you reflect on your own circumstances and your own capacities? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, We won't, for sake of time, quibble here with, I don't know, my ability or lack of ability or, you know. (laughs) (laughs) It's considerable ability. Stop. Full stop. Me coming and sharing this. Uh, Yeah, but I think it's a great question because Um, Yes, we are all aging, but certainly my loved one, um, who is 79, is experiencing the the travails of age much differently than myself at 25, almost 26 here. Um, But I've found that there are times in my life when I have been exceptionally productive but not fruitful. And I have found that there are times in my life when I have been not so productive but very fruitful. 
And Alice's distinction between the two, that fruitfulness is um, far more about a mode of being with the world and being with the people around us. I think about her story of um, perhaps not being able to move her body at the same speed of productivity, but she can uh, certainly continue to provide her heart and her attention to her grandchild as they come home from school and the blessing of being able to be in the space with her. And uh, I certainly, because I have a tendency to equate falsely the one with the other and to see things of productivity as fruitful, um, I sometimes find myself, maybe even with the question of pacing, rushing or thinking that if I simply move my body fast enough to keep up with what I think my mind or my hands are doing, then I am doing what is most most uh, not just valuable, but uh, to use her word, transformational. The things in life that uh, actively push my spirit forward as much as I feel I'm pushing my body forward. And so uh, I appreciate her distinction. And I think that distinction would apply no matter what stage of the aging process we may be in and how comparatively young or old that we might feel our spirit or body or both to be. Yeah, great, good. Yeah. I guess for myself, thinking about moments that stood out this year, I want to say first, I thought that all of our guests are just so great. I mean, um, it is such a privilege uh, to talk with these extraordinary people. Um, and I, there's, there are, so, if you ask me to sort of pick out highlight episodes in the plural, I mean, there are, so, I've got a whole multi-set of pages uh, talking about different <laughs> moments, different episodes, different people, different conversations. But there have been a couple uh, episodes over the course of the two years that have kind of captured something of the nature of the podcast for me. Last year, for example, um, when I talked with Arthur Holder, this very distinguished theologian getting close to retirement, I think at this point he's retired, um, he said something, I was talking about his training back in his college days. He'd been a literature student and got a, a theology PhD. And I asked him about, you know, as a literature professor, you know, so why did you make that change? And he said, he said, well, and he started to answer, and he said, well, listen, he said, what really interests me is not theology so much. It's spirituality, which is to say, it's the lived experience of theology. You know, the lived experience of what we know about God. It's an experience of God. That's what moves me. And I thought, gosh, that's good. I thought that right there puts its finger on the nature of what this podcast is trying to get at, an experience of the divine. And this year, um, one of our guests has said something to that effect for me that kind of really kind of rang out for me was, uh, Kim Langley, back when she was talking about uh, grief and poetry, and she dropped this really good line about what poets and readers of poetry need to do um, uh, in, if they're going to really understand poems. She said, one must come to the page with one's heart as open as the heart of God, which is such a profound line to me. And what I loved about that, the idea of an open heart is an empathetic heart. You know, you're sharing experiences across differences. The podcast is an ecumenical podcast. There are some obvious differences of religious background that are involved there, not to mention differences of life experience. And yet there is something deeply shared across it. And it goes to what Arthur Holder said. It's an experience of the of the divine amidst the worldly things of our lives. Uh, and. Um, our backgrounds that we share, not just from which we differ. Um, but it's, an, it, it, it's, a, it, it, it's an open heart relative to the things of God. So we're talking here about an experience of the divine, you know, where, 
where the things of this world touch on the things of another. And I thought that's really getting at what I want to try to talk about with these guests. You know, where does their experience of things in the world open onto something that seems larger than just those things? So for me, that moment stood out as not a better moment than others, but as one that puts its finger on what the podcast is trying to get to. Yeah, I love that you brought forward the uh, Kim Langley's idea of coming to the page with a heart as open. Um, and I suppose my question, and this is maybe getting a little bit more to the nuts and bolts of the podcast, but how do you as the podcast host every week seek to come to the podcast perhaps with the heart open to the mm -hmm. things of God or open to that kind of um, boundaryless and open space for not just communication, but it would seem a, a form of communion with the guests? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, in a way, by the time um, I get to prepping for the podcast and prepping for the guests, 90% of that openness is already there because there's something mm -hmm. about what they've written. I, come I, I get these guests by trying to read widely and I come across things that really strike me. And when I see those things, I usually catch a trace with something really magnificently intelligent, open, um, something that seems uh, evocatively transcendent or full. And that right there is already the trace of the open. So the conversation is more kind of a circling around these things in our guest's writing that, that strike me as being uh, so very um, um, open to possibility, uh, open to a sense of the divine, uh, even amidst the everyday. So then it's just about trying to sort of get at those things in the way that I prepare and the way that you know, I engage the guests. And they're always so great, the guests are. And I, I suppose your question and then your answer of what do you hope the podcast is getting at um, just prompts me to maybe ask a question that Bobby can start us off with answering. Um, a question of how the podcast means how it does the work that it does, and uh, what might it do that it hasn't done yet. But really, and Matt, you brought this question up as we talked about this episode. What is the question that this podcast, BYU Faith and Imagination, is trying to answer, or perhaps the problem or challenge that it's seeking to solve, and whether you have thoughts on that, Bobby? Yeah, thanks, Abby. As Matt was talking, um, a thought that I had about this is came from a quote from Paul Pastor, pastor he said in thinking about how he writes his poetry he says there's people that write poetry from their mind there's people that write poetry from their heart and there are people that write poetry from their gut it's a great distinction huh uh, yeah <laughs> and and as matt and i were talking about that uh podcast episode afterward it's it's just so apparent that that mind heart gut experience goes far beyond writing poetry it goes into motherhood, it goes into being a student, it goes into our discipleship of Jesus Christ. And that is um, one thing that I, I think is interesting about this podcast and I think is something we're trying to accomplish with this podcast is bringing many, many different people together that all share the same, we share something that is incredibly important to us, the most core piece of who we are, we're sharing with these um, guests that we have, but the way that we experience God, and by the most important thing I mean our faith in Christ, our, our belief in God, the way that we experience these and the way that we 
live them as well as share our lived experience with others is very, very different. Some people have a very mind, you know, intellectual experience with God. Some of our guests do. Some of our guests have just this gut instinct about who God is, how he's involved in their lives. And some people really, we feel it come from their heart. And um, we see that in the ways that they live their their creed, the ways that they do their crafts, the way that they share the words they use. But ultimately, we're all able to come together and share the same faith and learn from each other. And so for me, that's, I don't know if it's the problem that's being solved. It's definitely not a question, but it is um, this idea that we can see each other from lenses of difference, or we can come together and see each other from lenses of shared understanding and appreciation for what someone else's differences can give to us. And I've really gained a lot from that with this podcast. Yeah, good. I think for me, the the, the principal question is trying to answer um, is, you know, what is it that faith brings to the life of the mind? You know, we're here at a university, BYU, we're, you know, uh, in, a, in a research center, the Humanities Center, uh, and it really does exemplify uh, the life of the mind. It's been such an enriching mind of an experience for me, all the things we do at the Humanities Center. But the question this podcast gets at is, what about the religious side of BYU's mission? Uh, what about the life of faith? What does that bring to the life of the mind? You know, for me, faith, I think for a lot of people in faith, you know, it's, it's, this, it's this region or zone between belief on the one hand and understanding on the other. It's not just a, a vague idea or a hope or a, you know, an aspiration. It's, it's drawn on something that we've experienced and that we've lived, but which is not fully grasped um, by us not fully comprehended by us. It's rooted in some kind of a relationship uh, with God that defines us, um, but also escapes us or eludes us. And we don't fully understand that thing which feels most intimate to us, most important to us. Um, One of our guests this year, Robin Brickley Carr, um, has a great line in the book we spoke about, and I asked her about this in the podcast. It's her line, uh, based on the writings of the 20th century mystic Evelyn Underhill, and the line is that real prayer is an entering into ignorance, uh, which I love. And, and, and what I take from that is not that ignorance needs to mean an absence of all understanding, you know, flat, capacious, <laughs> bottomless ignorance. It's, it's more, for me, a matter of um, addressing the inexhaustibility of what there is to be understood. Real prayer is entering into inexhaustibility of all that might be grasped. And I feel like um, these conversations that we have with these guests, who've given a lot of thought to these kinds of things about, you know, kind of where faith and understanding meet, you know, where uh, learning comes into contact with devotion or whatever. Um, I feel like in a lot of cases they've got a lot of wisdom that they have to impart. And understanding about where they come from not just helps me understand them better, but really opens my mind further to the things of faith, the things of God. And so for me, that's what the podcast is, is really trying to get at. Um, and then ultimately, you know, what does it have to add to our human experience, uh, therefore to the things that we study at the university? And I, I suppose if I were to seek to answer this question, um, I'd say that the question that the podcast may be trying to answer is this. How can I live my life in the midst of recognized, already, uh, always there brokenness? Mm-hmm. Um, and 
I really appreciate that over the course of this season, I've been uh, made alive to the idea that Christianity presumes a kind of brokenness. It's a theology of the remnant uh, that remains a distinct remnant, even as it seeks reconciliation with God through his grace and through his power. And so to have an orientation to this life uh, that begins with brokenness and begins with inherent messiness and trouble, uh, this orientation provides us with opportunities to live in the gaps between and around and with life's fragmentary pieces that we encounter and that we stub our toes against even. And so minding the gaps or tending to the gaps is what I feel the podcast does. And in fact, the conversation takes place in the spaces between these fragments that we live within. This season, having guests that were uniquely attuned to the beauty of broken things, um, I think, and broken people and broken lives, um, was just very moving to me from Amy Julia Becker's work on disability as vulnerability to Jessica Koblenz's uh, theology of life with depression to Irena Dragash Jansen's active, vibrant, energetic peace in times of horrific violence or horrific war. Um, Patrick Saint-Jean yes, on exactly. racial injustice. Yeah, um, and so many others. I mean, to list them, we'll, we'll list our guests list with gratitude <laughs> at the will. end. We will, yes. <laughs> and and, uh, and to talk more about the ways in which these people attuned to the broken things can imagine the fragments into um, a, a string of broken things that are made beautiful by the grace in between. And that talking through that grace and through the gracefulness that's possible through spirituality and a life of faith and of imaginative faith um, provides a sense of a life lived in harmony in a way that only such things can give. And I'm very grateful that we've had people on season two especially that have been very invested in the broken. Thinking now um, toward the future, so if we fully pivot toward season three, uh, perhaps an answer to what we hope the podcast might do in the future, and what we hope we might do in the future. Uh, Bobby, what's what's next for you? I am one year in to the to my time at the Humanity Center and hoping for many more. So I will be continuing here at the Humanity Center with engagement in the many, many, many different things that we do here. So I'm excited to stick around. Very cool. Um, I'll be headed off to graduate school. So I'm leaving Utah behind, but not behind. Um, and then headed off to uh, UC Berkeley in the fall. And so we will tackle that challenge after a summer of trying to do almost absolutely nothing to prepare. <laughs> exactly, slowing down, finding more fruitfulness rather than so-called productivity. Very <laughs> okay, good, that's exciting. Yeah. And as for me, this is my uh, 10th year uh, as a founder director of the Humanities Center, and it's the last year I'll be the acting director of the Humanities Center. Um, I'll have a new director next year, but the podcast will remain alive and well. I'll still be hosting the podcast, still be on campus, uh, still teaching, writing, researching. I'll be working in um, another institute that currently has the name, uh, it's the Center for Christian Values and Literature, though what its name is gonna be as of next year, we're not sure yet. Um, but I'll still be around, just in a different relationship with the Humanities Center that I've loved so much. And I've gotta say, I've loved so much working with both of you, Bobby, Abby, you've been fantastic, as have all the faculty fellows, the student undergraduate fellows, it's just been an enormous, and and colleagues around the entire College of Humanities. It's been an enormous blessing to me. Yeah, and uh, we 
we think the same. So it truly is a privilege to work with the people that we do and to get to talk, commune with the people that we do, both on and off of the podcast. And we're certainly very, very grateful for the people that we've had on our podcast. And uh, if you stick around to the end of this episode, we'll list them off in no particular order and with great gratitude and appreciation for all that you've shared with us this season. Um, And we'd like to thank you, our listeners, for continuing to tune in. And we look forward to jumping into season three when the time comes. So look for that come September. And uh, in the meantime, we are grateful for the opportunity we have to come together and to think on such important topics as faith and imagination. So thank you. We'd like to thank all of our wonderful guests during season two of our Faith and Imagination podcast. In chronological order, we thank Katie Kresser, Richard White, Kim Langley, Patrick St. Jean, Charles Laporte, Heidi J. Hornick, Daniel P. Haran, Robin Wrigley Carr, George Handley, Norman Wurzba, Amy Julia Becker, Yolanda Pierce, Jessica Koblenz, Laura Reese Hogan, Glenn Scorgi, Alice Freiling, Josh McNall, Irena Dragash Jansen, Barbara Newman, Paul J. Pastor, Charles Shiro Inoue. We'd also like to thank you, our listeners, and hope you'll join us next season on BYU's Faith and Imagination podcast. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Faith and Imagination podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the BYU Humanities Center and the College of Humanities at Brigham Young University and is produced and edited by Abby Thatcher and Bobby May. The music for this podcast is composed by Ethan Wickman and is performed by Nicholas Phillips on Albany Records. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on your podcast platform. And if you're interested in other episodes or would like to know more about the BYU Humanities Center, check out our website at humanitycenter.byu.edu. Thanks again for listening.